That actually brings up a really good point. So you've been in the military for 11 years. You're locked away in, you know, a skiff or these iron yeah, it's, boxes. It's, it's at an times. old skiff. Yeah. So there you go. So for those who don't know, even, you know, we have a primary military audience, we have some secret uh, locations or, or sensitive locations. Let me put it like that, where we can't take in our cell phones. We can't take in our personal electronics. We have no way to communicate with anybody besides the government computer, which is highly regulated. That's it's right in front of us. So doing all of this, how in the hell have you been able to do what you've been doing, not only on the real estate side, but the, you got this whole community that you've developed. How are you, how are you able to do this? Hey, how's it going? This is Dan Wynn and Mike Glassby. And this is the Military Cashflow Podcast, where we teach service members how to build wealth and create passive cash flow through real estate. We cover real deals, real numbers, and real lessons learned from other successful investors. Now, whether you're watching this on YouTube or you're listening on the podcast, we need you to like, share, and subscribe. Now, let's get started creating this military cash flow. Hey, what's going on, guys? This is Dan Wynn. And Mike Glassby. And this is Military Cash Flow. Hey, today we have a great guest, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Dave Perret from uh, from military to millionaire, we've been in contact for what uh, probably a little over a year now. We've been talking, and uh, it was great contact. Uh, we met down at uh, the 10x Growth Conference in Miami. Had his great Hawaiian shirt. I can't believe you're not wearing the trademark Hawaiian shirt right now, actually. But uh, wearing, I'm, it's a it's got a logo on it. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Oh, that that's a good substitute, I guess. It's, but you got to put the logo on the Hawaiian shirt. That's what, that's about, know, that's what it is. You know, that that's when it's real. <laughs> so, uh, hey, Dave, would you mind uh, go ahead and introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about you? Yeah. So the name is Dave, <laughs> and I host the Military Millionaire Community. That is, I mean, it's grown way more than I ever expected, uh, which basically stemmed from me blogging and people getting interested. Um, active duty Marine. I've been in eleven and a half years. I'm a staff sergeant. And I've been investing for four years. In the last four years, I've uh, bought and sold 54 units, uh, created some other cash flow streams, currently only have uh, 13 rental units and uh, flip under the under ownership, uh, closing on a big syndication. So yeah, I don't, I don't really know what else there is to say. I will point out that you are one of the reasons I still have a mustache because... Dan spotted me via Hawaiian shirt and mustache, which was one of the multitude of people who has reaffirmed that this is officially my identity and I, I can't lose it because no one will recognize me. Uh, dude, I don't know what you would look like. People would just walk right past you if it weren't for the stash. You got to have one or yeah. the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you didn't have the stash, I'd probably call the police every time I saw you. you just <laughs> <laughs> Which I would like to point out is way different than most of the time when people tell me I look like a pedo or a Hitler with the mustache. So I appreciate that you would call the cops without a mustache. That yes. makes me feel, I don't know how that makes me feel, but I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> Too easy, man. All right. Yeah, man. So, uh, so that's awesome. <laughs> so you're active, uh, active Marines. Um, you have a great platform, uh, helping out other service members, teaching them how to invest, not just, uh, not just real estate, but also, um, all, all facets of financial, uh, financial wherewithal, if you will. So, uh, it's great stuff, great stuff, great stuff. So, um, Let's talk about some of the some of the things you're you're doing right now. Um, actually, sorry, let's backtrack a little bit. Let's talk about some of the some of the deals you have done. Let's talk about that first deal actually. And how, what was your mindset at? How'd you get into it? Uh, why real estate? You know, let, let's start off from the beginning. Who is Dave Perret? <clears throat> well, Dave is a guy who lost a bunch of money on stocks when he didn't know what he was doing back in 
I don't know, 2000, I guess I would have been like 09, um, maybe 2010. Uh, you know, I thought, oh, everybody invests in stocks. This is great. Let me go basically gambling. Um, and I made, you know, some money. So I was like, yeah, this is awesome. And then I lost it all and everything. And uh, so I was like, man, investing stupid. And then uh, I never touched it again until 2015 when I was ironically uh, getting talked into joining Amway for some, some multi-level marketing. And I was like, nah, you know, nah. and the guy who was working on it was like, you should read this book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I was like, nah, I'm a Marine. I don't read. That's stupid. I ain't got time for that. I'm a recruiter. So I, def- I didn't have time. Uh, and this guy literally pulled like a disc out of his pocket, a CD. It was like, I've got it on audio and you drive a lot. Listen to it. I'll talk to you next week. And uh, within three months of that, I had bought a duplex because I was like, oh my God, everything has changed. Um, so I read that. Then I read Rental Property Investing by Brandon Turner, uh, No and Low Money Down. And then I went and I talked to this guy I heard on the radio about VA loans as I was meeting with some random realtor. I just basically, she was a realtor for one of the listings and she returned my calls. So I just used her. I never used her again because she was, she was okay. She wasn't really anything great, but you know, it, it worked, right? Like everyone says your first deal doesn't have to be your best deal. It just has to get you out the door. And uh, so as I'm doing all this, the lender talks me out of the VA loan because he tells me you can only use it once and I don't want to waste it on a cheap duplex. And so I use an FHA loan. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's a total mess, which is why I have like a free video series on YouTube where I'm just like, oh my God, learn this. Because yeah, that I mean, between the down payment, the extra interest rate and the PMI, PMI, private mortgage insurance, I've paid out 10 grand in the four years I've owned that place that I shouldn't have had to pay out. That being said, the property, you know, I went from, I was paying $500 a month around that to live in a two, one apartment. And I bought this place. It was a, at the time it was a six fifteen mortgage. Uh, somehow over the last four years, it's gone down to like five eighty five. I don't really know. I guess taxes got cheaper. I have no idea. Uh, but my rate dropped like 30 bucks a month, but at the time it was six fifteen, so $115 more, but I had a tenant paying four seventy five. So I, I essentially went from paying five hundred dollars a month to own a or rent a du- uh, an apartment to paying like less than one hundred and fifty to own a duplex, and then when I moved out, it cash flowed. And I think th- that thing since the day I moved out has made me uh, around three three fifty a month, which when you factor in my down payment is basically a hundred percent cash on cash return, but not including the like thousand dollars I put into like a vinyl floor section or whatever. Uh, but almost 100% cash on cash return every year I've owned it. And then it's also appreciated like 20 grand. So, um, you know, not bad, not a crazy deal, but enough to realize like, hmm, this is fun. That's, that's got to be a crazy deal. First off, because what, when you were investing in the stocks in the beginning, did you ever make 100% return? Maybe you did, but how not, often? Not by it? the time I sold it. Right, right. And, you, and then you get taxed on that on top of that as well, if you right. did make any gain. And 2009 was like freaking phenomenal for uh, for buying for buying stuff. That was yeah, if you knew what much, you were doing, I was yeah. in there like, oh, buy, ooh, sell, ooh, <laughs> oh, ooh, emotions. So you, you touched on a few things, man. So uh, I think a lot of people experience that MLM journey, right? Because uh, I guess it just comes at the right time. I was actually in the same boat, same company, same organization. But But what was it about that? about that pitch, about that book, about that CD at that time in your life that made the light, the light bulb turn on? You know, so 
I, I think I'd always had something of an entrepreneurial investor type mindset. I mean, I think that's why I was dabbling in stocks instead of just being drunk when I was 20 in Japan. Uh, I mean, I was definitely drunk a decent amount too, because that was the drinking age, but you know, I mean, I was doing stocks. That's probably why I lost money. Um, but I mean, my mom always jokes that when I was like eight, I apparently like took twigs and, and fishing line and rocks and like made whips and sold them on the corner of the street. Yeah. Not lemonade whips, you know, nine, cat of nine tails. Why, why not? Um, but I, but people bought them. Um, not very many, but, uh, somebody, you know, at least one person that was not related to me bought a handmade cat of nine tails from the, uh, future train wreck that is before you. I don't know what I was, whatever. Hey, um, and this was before internet. So I don't know where I got that idea. It's not like I was watching some terrible TV shows. I don't even think the Simpsons was around yet. I'm not going to date myself too much, but, uh, Anyway, so I'd always had some kind of interest in that. I think Rich Dad Poor Dad just does a great job of taking a really boring subject and making it entertaining enough that you're like, ooh, this looks fun. And then that's what, that's what it is. Like real estate investing, sure, it's a great way to make money. But, you know, after hosting my podcast for over a year now, I've learned that most of the guys who do really well in this could have stopped a long time ago. And they just, it becomes a freaking hobby. They just have fun. Like there's something about the, the hunt per se that it's just exciting. I agree with you. I think it, you have to be at the right mind space at the time that you're receiving the information for it to actually be impactful or make you want to take action on it. And that's huge because there's a lot of people that have built massive success in real estate that probably had the cash flow 20 years ago and they could have stopped, but they keep going. Uh, the last thing I wanted to ask you, or, or the next thing I wanted to ask you, you mentioned that you found a real estate agent just because she called you back, and then you partnered up with the lender that didn't know jack about this loan program. So what is some of the lessons that you learned, I guess, about building a team or identifying th those key players in your team? Well, for one, there's this magic word that'll solve 90% of your problems, and that's referral. If you know somebody in your area that's doing it, odds are that they will help you out with finding the right person. So for, I mean, maybe, maybe not with a contractor or a property manager, because those are not always the easiest people to find. Now I'll, I'll give you my property manager's info, but full disclosure, it's because she'll give me a small check on the back end to help her out. Um, and, and because she has the systems and teams that it won't interfere. You know, if you have a small property manager, you're going to find a lot of people won't, won't hand out their info because they don't want to overwhelm and then their service declines. But, uh, and contractors are, uh, don't get me started. Well, I heard a quote the other day and it was hilarious and I can't, I'm gonna remember that and I'm going to get back to you. But anyway, <laughs> no, I can't believe I just wasted that. Mm, it was a perfect opportunity, but contractors suck. Uh, <laughs> that's not the quote, but that's essentially the meaning. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so for a realtor, uh, I, you know, at this point, if I'm going in without a referral, what I do is I pull, I just type in best realtor in X city and it pulls up on Yelp and you, you scroll past all the stupid sponsored ads and there'll be, uh, all the other posts and you can find five or 10 people in there with decent reviews. And I like that because one, the reviews are generally organic and not forced. Uh, and two, nobody's going to go in and actually leave a nice review about an agent unless they really had a good experience because they just, people only leave nasty reviews. Um, <clears throat> So you can do that, or or I think the referral thing is is the best piece. But just looking for an agent who either invests themselves or 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 understands. I mean, it's not it's not necessary. Like I my agent right now, my main one, 
she doesn't invest, but she totally understands, has no problem lowballing, and is all about helping me out. Um, but the one that I use that time, she just, yeah, a lot of agents I've realized when you reach out to them, they just never return your, they never get back to you. Or, or in my case, they throw me on an automatic email or about properties. And I'm like, Hey, did you read my freaking message? Because I don't want a property. I want to help one of my clients get in touch with you so that you can help them buy a house. And instead of calling me back, like you just started spamming me properties about some state I've never even cared to see. Um, so anyway, uh, all that to say referrals is the best way if you can get a hold of someone who understands the market. And then for a, uh, for a lender, if it's a good realtor, they'll have them in house, you know, they'll, they'll have somebody they work with and they know and trust, especially if that realtor understands is a veteran or understands the VA loan. If not, I got a good buddy, Chris, who I recommend to anyone and everyone. And I'm happy to put people in contact with who runs a Facebook group called the vetted VA, which basically just vets VA lenders. And uh, so I trust them because they will essentially rat people out who suck and I love it. So Hey, really quick. So just to touch on a couple of those uh, myths. So Dave fell uh, to one of the traps, one of the common traps that I heard a lot as well when I first uh, when I first started investing in that one, you can only use a VA loan once, right? <clears throat> Obviously, he, know, he, he knows you can use it multiple times now, right? Uh, also, just a couple of other small myths for those out there listening that you know may not know. For, for the VA loan, you can use it for any residential property, meaning you can buy up to four units with it. You can buy a duplex, just like Dave said, or, um, or you can actually uh, buy more than four. Oh yeah. You can buy, you can blow buy four, your mind. You can buy four with one store. Well, we're going to let you talk about that. We'll let you talk about if, that. But if you partner with a veteran <clears throat> yep. and this is a crazy loophole, no one ever uses, I've never heard of anyone actually doing it, but say Mike and I decided to buy a house together. We could buy a six unit property plus office. That's the most, but you could buy a six unit with a office storefront with the VA loan, as long as it's a partner between two vets, which is crazy. And I hope that I can find like the perfect six plus one in Springfield. So I can like, Hey, I got a sixplex and my own office space. But anyway, definitely you're hundred percent right. There's a bunch of different opportunities with it. Uh, I'm trying to look up, I'll put the, the actual VA package. There's a, there's a whole big digital notebook basically on, um, on what you can and can't do with the VA loan. It outlines all the specifics. I'll put it in the show notes, but, um, but yeah, so that's one thing. And then we talked about the uh, real estate or getting contract. Well, we talked about contractors sucking and then other real estate professionals, right? So one quick tip on um, getting other real estate professionals as you're building your team, right? Ask, ask people. So you ask, you said referrals, but um, talking about realtors and you said they might have the broker in house. Well, usually a good realtor, a rock star realtor usually has other, usually knows other rock star um, property managers and other rock star contractors and those contractors know rock star realtors. So you can start building a network just by asking other real estate professionals, hey, who do you use? And then also um, ask real estate investors as well. Hey, who do you use? Usually we're, we're pretty, uh, pretty happy to share. Cause just like Dave said, I mean, these referrals, they go a long way for not just, uh, the people that we're helping out, but also ourselves. Cause it, 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 so a contractor, for example, if I refer my contractor to one of my friends and that gets him business, he's usually a little bit more loyal to me, right? Just because, Hey, you know, Dan knows some people with some money that's willing to do work. He's getting me business. All right. So the next time I call a contractor, yeah, sure. Dan, I can get that done for you pretty easily. And that, that's, that's been my case for a while. And that's really, really helped 
uh, really, really helped out. Um, and then the last thing for those that are having issues with contractors or want to know um, all about contractors, we did a video on that uh, on the on the cash flow uh, page. You can uh, we'll put the put that link in the show notes as well. But uh, all about contractors and how I almost got ripped off out of like fifty thousand dollars and some of the things, some of the lessons that I learned and stuff. Um, we'll put that video in the, the show notes as well. It's a great video. I uh, recommend watching it. But yeah. Yeah, I'm going through that right now. I have the state attorney general trying to <clears throat> trying to get into man. <clears throat> where'd that frog in my throat come from? <laughs> I have the state attorney general going after my contractor for that flip I talked about right now. Uh, basically, gave him forty thousand and some change out of a fifty plus budget. And when I went home, and I mean the pictures look decent, but when I went home over Christmas, I was like, hey, this drywall is not thick enough to be up your code. Hey, there's no insulation behind the drywall on exterior walls in a state that goes from 110 to negative whatever throughout the year um yeah that's not gonna fly and uh just thing after thing after thing right and then i had people come out and bid it and they were like yeah it's gonna take 40 grand to finish it and i'm like oh well i gave this guy that already <laughs> like anyway so uh, essentially he overextended and his business imploded and i happen to be the peter that got robbed to pay paul is what was going on mm. but so i'm trying to figure out that mess right now because i got a property that's worth about what I have into it, but I can't, I mean, it's not even worth that right now because it's not even halfway through a renovation that should have been done. So in a situation like that, you get completely backhanded. This comes out of nowhere. You didn't expect for it. You didn't plan for it. What are your, what are your action steps? Obviously you're trying to seek, you know, you're trying to remediate it with the, uh, with the uh, attorney and everything else, but what are going to be your action steps moving forward, maybe for the next flip or for this one in particular? Well, number one, don't dwell on it. Uh, negative energy, you know, whether you believe in the crap or not, what you focus on grows, right? So if you focus on how crappy that situation went, you're going to attract law of attraction, whatever, whether you buy, buy into it or not, you are not setting yourself up for success in the future. So don't worry about it, right? Like crap happens. Uh, I mean, I had a couple options. I could have pulled my TSP and finished it. I could have sold a duplex and finished it. I could have pulled a HELOC on a 10 unit and finished it. But none of those the the loss on like what it would have cost me to borrow that money from another property or whatever wouldn't have equaled out to what the cash flow would have been for the property so it would have been a net loss so i wasn't worth it wasn't worth pulling out extra debt so i ended up i just listed the thing right now for uh, i listed it for 45 i'm 65 into it so i might take a $20,000 hit on it uh, if i get the money back from the contractor i still win if i don't get the money back from the contractor then i took a hit and i learned a lesson a couple of things going forward I would do. Number one, uh, I would have my property manager go to the site every time they're going to hand a check. So instead of having, you know, I had a couple of people go by, but they just weren't as diligent as the person who would have been managing the property for me. So I'll have her go by. Uh, I also wouldn't be hesitant to have a little 360 wireless camera, like a deer cam or something mounted in the property so that I can keep tabs on what's going on in the property. Um, at least, and, and you know, a lot of contractors aren't going to like that, but my uncle's a very high paid contractor in the Bay area. And he basically said, well, if they don't like that, then you probably don't want them working on your house anyway. If they're not hiding anything, then they won't be afraid of that. Um, and then I'll do a better job with billing. So I was giving him the payouts, you know, periodically for stuff going forward. I will, depending on the contractor, I've got two or three that I actually trust really, really well. They just, they were too busy at the time to take on this project. So I used a new one. Um, and, and, and from what I understand, he's a great guy and a great contractor whose business just went upside down. So it's not, he didn't try to screw me because uh, the people who referred him to me 
are still, you know, one of them is still in a project with them and it's going fine. So I don't know. Um, depending on the contractor, I might do all the materials myself so that they aren't paying for it. Cause at one point he told me they stole materials, but he couldn't provide receipts. So if I had bought the materials and I wouldn't know if they'd actually been paid for, um, and then for billing, I would hold labor. So I would do 25% labor up front, 25% in the middle and the other 50, 40, 50%, depending on how I do the structure, uh, holding it until the end of the project. So there's a carrot dangling at, at this point, I was kind of doing labor as we went which is fine if you trust the contractor, but clearly on this point, it, it backdoored me, but. Yeah, that, that draw stuff is, is <clears throat> crucial. That last little piece you said there, that's how we operate all of our rehabs as well as we have those contract draws during different stages of their development or their progress, just so we, we don't overpay and they hightail it or whatever else. And, and while we're on that note, as you mentioned it, yo, everybody read the e-myth. If you haven't read it mm. yet, because that contractor right there, great guy, great intentions, or at least that's what it sounds like, but he had no idea what the hell he was doing and running a business. And he went bottoms up and he didn't only hurt himself and his business, but now he hurt all of his clients, all of his partnerships and his whole reputation as a business owner. The e-myth yep. goes into that very in depth of how you may be good at a skill, but doesn't mean that you're good at running a business. Uh, so you kind of really need to take a, a different approach and step back a little bit and look at that. Absolutely. Good book. And I love some of the things that you mentioned there. We talked about, um, well, one, the biggest thing is um, that you, you didn't take it as a loss, right? And you said, don't dwell on this. This is a lesson learned. You know, the L's, taking an L is not, it's not, you know, a loss. Taking an L, if you're, if you're going to succeed in life, you need to take, use those L's as lessons learned, right? Mm -hmm. So everybody takes an L's. It's not always a bad thing because <clears throat> it propels you on your next deal and it makes you that much smarter, that much wiser for your next opportunities, right? Um, next thing, uh, just to touch on a couple of things for those of who out there are listening and, and maybe going through some of the same stuff. Like I said, I put that video out. Um, definitely go check that out. But some of the things we talked about in those videos, uh, Mike talked about the draw schedules and what that is a withdrawal, right? So when a contractor does a certain amount of work, he, he expects to get paid a certain amount from the overall project. Um, so that's, that's a draw. A draw would be a, a basically a deposit. So for example, if, if there was a, uh, the way I, the way I typically run projects is, um, I have it in four stages and I'm sure you guys probably, uh, Mike, you kind of mentioned as well, you guys run it in kind of stages. So if you, if you want to think about it, it's like phases of an operation, right? There's four phases, right? So each phase um, would typically get, you know, is 25%, you know, done um, on that first initial draw. I usually only pay 10%. I always pay material because of just exactly what you said. Um, and the way I pay material is I have accounts set up with Lowe's and Home Depot and I just send the contract over to them. Um, they, they, I have to approve, you know, the purchases this way. I don't get screwed out of any, a lot. I've had people go and like buy food and stuff with, with money that I give them for, for material, you know, and, and I see those receipts and it's like, wait a minute, like you got like $40 worth of food and, and crap on here. That doesn't make any sense. So a way to mitigate that is, um, setting up those accounts with Lowe's and Home Depot, sending your, sending your contract to them, you know, with whatever flooring company you have. Um, and then they do 25% of the work. The first one I do a 10% draw, right? Um, they do another 25% of the work. I'll do like a 25% draw. The next 25%, I'll do another, the next 25% that they do, I'll give them another 25% draw. So uh, when they're, when they're three fourths of the way done with the project, I've given, I've paid out 60% 
of uh, they're 75% done, but they've only got 60% of the work or the 60% of the pay. Sorry if I'm confusing it. Yeah. But, um, and then once they complete the final project, they get that last draw of 40%. So um, that way that, that is the carrot dangling over their head. And, and had I not done that on this like 50 something thousand dollar renovation, I would have gotten screwed. Because uh, that's exactly what happened to me. Uh, the, the contractor tried to rob Peter to pay Paul, but luckily, you know, I didn't pay out all the money, and that that was kind of my saving grace. So that's just you know a couple a couple of uh, tips for the draw schedule, and then also you talked about um, the uh, adding a security system in there. Simply Safe works really really well. You can move those from property to property. Um, I put those on put those on the front door, so anytime the contractor wanted to come into the property, I would have to, I would have to click, um, basically un unlock the alarm. So if he doesn't unlock the alarm or if the alarm goes off, that's when I know a contractor's there. So contractors weren't trying to show up to my property, you know, and, and I could tell because there was no door entry, you know what I mean? On, on my, on my alarm. Um, so these guys, contractors are a tricky bunch, man. They're, they're a tricky bunch. Yeah, that works great. If you have your cell phone during work, that's why I didn't use simple because <laughs> i my poor contractor would be like, hey, asshole, I'm trying to get in your house. Yep. I haven't heard from you in three hours. I'm going yeah. home. <laughs> no, you're right. You forgot you said you're in a windowless, like, <laughs> like a windowless, cell phoneless. Yeah. The magic true, true. of secret clearances. You're right. You're right. You're right. And that, that actually brings up a really good point. So you've been in the military for 11 years. You're locked away in, you know, a skiff or these iron yeah, it's, boxes it's, it's, at It's an times. old skiff, We're, yeah. So there you go. So for those who don't know, even, you know, we have a primary military audience, we have some secret uh, locations or, or sensitive locations. Let me put it like that, where we can't take in our cell phones. We can't take in our personal electronics. We have no way to communicate with anybody besides the government computer, which is highly regulated. That's it's right in front of us. So doing all of this, how in the hell have you been able to do what you've been doing, not only on the real estate side, but the, you got this whole community that you've developed. How are you, how are you able to do this? Well, have you ever heard of sleeping? That probably I, I haven't. <laughs> yeah. so, no. Uh, so I wake up at my first alarm goes off at 3.55 every day, which is why I'm so butthurt that myself for not uh, waking up last week. Uh, yeah. you know, we were supposed to record last week. At, it was five in the morning my time. And somehow, some way, this guy decided to sleep in. And I wake up and I'm like, son of a gun. So we're rescheduled for a week down the road. No big deal. But they're both like, oh, man, if we'd realized you were in the west coast we wouldn't have scheduled it so early and i'm like well that's the annoying part is i schedule podcasts all the time like i've got one on tuesday at five i've got one on wednesday at 4 30 um and then and then tuesday i have the five and a 1900 and a 4 30 the next morning so like so yeah I, I wake up so between four four and four thirty, i journal i talk to people you know my wife or whatever and then uh from from five to six thirty every day i'm working on whether it's editing videos or whatever and then uh depending on when I get home, 18, 1900 until nine or, you know, 21, 2200, 2300 working away on whatever I can work away on. And then realistically what it is, is my Saturday and Sunday are essentially just catch up. So I basically slowly fall behind all week and then try to catch everything up on the weekends. Now, luckily I've started to make enough not much, but a little bit of income through YouTube. So I can, I, I have an editor now, so that saves some time. I have a podcast editor now. Um, so that saves some time. But of course, as soon as you save that time, you fill it with, I can do another video now, um, which is how I've slowly built out more content and stayed in bootstrap mode. Uh, I think I'm finally at a point 
where I'm not in the red trying to fund all my hobbies, quote unquote, with this community. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I'm actually, it's funny, uh, last week I posted a job interview or job application for, or uh, whatever, a job hosting for a virtual assistant for basically I want a, a bookkeeper because I'm starting to get to where, okay, there's enough random expenses and, and streams of income that I need to tr have somebody present all this to me in a nice pretty spot where I can say, where's the hole in the boat rather than try to sort through it all. It just takes time. Uh, but I also want an admin assistant. I really need someone to help me out with email, with uh, you know some of the automated posts that I do on Facebook and stuff that I forget about when I'm busy, uh, some of the scheduling for stuff, transcribing podcasts and all that stuff that I just hate. I've never transcribed my podcasts because it's just a huge waste of time and I'm not going to pay someone you know, 40, 50 bucks on top of my editing. Uh, but if I can pay someone, you know, anyway, so I post this job application and I got 170 plus applicants in like two days. So now I'm like, well, crap, I need a virtual assistant to sort through all these virtual <laughs> assistants because I don't have time to go. So that's my goal today is to sit my ass at the computer and read through an exorbitant amount of applications and hopefully find a few that are decent and go from there. Hey man, that is phenomenal. That is absolutely phenomenal. I love uh, everything. Well, first off, I, I want to commend you. I meant to do that at the, at the very beginning, just because of the amount of value that you're bringing to the military community. I really, really appreciate that. We really appreciate that. Obviously, mm -hmm. we're, you know, we're doing the same thing. So real recognizes real, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. So I, I we really appreciate that. Um, as far as uh, getting the, the virtual assistance and, and, you know, doing the job vacation, we've been kind of going through the same thing. We have a couple of people that are doing, uh, doing our videos as well. Um, and that's just one of those things, like we, you talk about managing your time and how you're able to do all of this. You know, you're talking about your military, your active duty military, you're sitting in a freaking skiff. You, you can't do absolutely anything between essentially, it seems like nine to, nine to sunrise, five sunset, you know, that song, sunrise, <laughs> sunset, it's basically my job. Exactly. So there's other listeners out there that are in the military that's trying to figure that out. And I get asked that question all the time. And you outlined it perfectly, your your actual schedule. You're utilizing you're utilizing the time to its maximum, like to its maximum efficiency um, as much as you can. It's it's, it's absolutely perfect. Um, but then also even even if you do that, there's just not enough time in the day. There's not enough hours in the day for you to get everything done. So you have to delegate, right? You have to go and hire out. At some point, you have to you have to hire out to expand and you have to delegate to expand using that military team, kind of what we learned in the military, right? Which is which is great. So I really commend you for uh, for being able to do that and and recognizing uh, that you're at that point right now where all right, I need to start getting some more some more people on uh you have a great community which makes sense that you have 170 <laughs> job applicants you know what i mean so so that's yeah. great that's awesome I, it, it sounds to me like you uh you're leveraging out your weaknesses and you're leading your business with revenue small simple business steps man that's awesome though but it's literally every approach to it uh you you started this what what meant to be a hobby and now it's grown so quickly right very very yeah. big presence now and you're starting to trickle in some income and now you're like all right let's lead with revenue i got some money coming in now let's use this to offset a continued growth because ultimately i think you started this then correct me if i'm wrong but the intent was really to help veterans right it was to meant to educate not to become a shoot it, did, it didn't even start as that 
it was, I was literally, so I, I don't have it sitting here. It's in my room because I'm reading it. I have a journal and a mission log for my deployment. Somehow I was 20 years old. I was smart enough to journal and mission log everything. And they correlate. So I was going to write a book about like what normal people do in Afghanistan, you know, not a recon guy, but it was still a really exciting deployment. Mm-hmm. And I realized no one was going to read what I wrote because no one knew who the hell I was. So I was like, well, I'm going to start a blog then. I'll learn how to write. And, uh, I set up the blog and I kid you not, like the next week or the week after, you know, I'm like, ah, I set up this blog. Well, Brandon Turner and his wife and his family were over for dinner and uh, we're hanging out and I'm like so excited about this idea. And I'm like, yeah, you know, and he's like, well, I was like, but I don't really know what to write about. He's like, why don't you just document what you're learning through real estate? Like, like, yeah, I could write about that. And so it literally just started as me trying to find a way to write in hopes that eventually somebody would listen to me if I wrote a book about what I did in Afghanistan and uh, man, it was like in a month, I was like, oh, this actually, some people like this. And then it was like, hey, I'm going to start a YouTube channel. And then people like that. And it was like, everybody's like, why don't you start a podcast? I'm like, oh, okay, screw it. And, um, you know, I can't even take credit for the name of the platform. I made like 10 different domain names and everybody hated them. And one of my non-military friends was like, how about military to millionaire? No, that was taken. So he's like, how about you just slap a from in front of it? So I threw that in the list and put it back out and everybody voted unanimously on that name. And I was like, there we go. And uh, so, I mean, it's all been just like, here's the tiger. I grabbed the tail. Let's see what freaking happens has been the entire journey until about six months ago. And I was like, huh, I should be a little bit more intentional about this thing because it kind of caught on. And how how long have you been doing this? The I started the trainer? I started the blog about I think I think three weeks ago it would have been two years. Nice, um, very then, Yeah, and then the YouTube and podcast about a year ago. Um, they're not huge by any means, but I mean between all the platforms, probably got I don't know twenty five thirty thousand people. Mm. I, don't, I mean, a lot of them I'm sure are the same people, but uh, yeah, it's it's grown. I mean, it's grown fast enough that it's finally paying for itself. So that's cool. Right. Yeah. So for, for those of you out there listening, uh, Dave kind of brushed over it and he said it really, really casually. He's like, yeah, I was having dinner with Brandon Turner. You know, <laughs> I had, had Brandon Turner over for dinner, you know, him and his wife, we're just kind of hanging out. You know, he kind of uh, swiped <laughs> over that. For, but for those of you guys who don't know, that's actually, uh, he's, he's a pretty big dog in, uh, is in, as far as the real estate education uh, platform goes. He's like one half of, or I guess what, one third now? One third of the uh, the bigger pockets uh, crew, one of the one of the, the founders of the bigger pockets um, platform, which is um, a huge real estate uh, education education platform. So that's pretty cool that you that you've reached out, made those networks, um, and you're continuing to use them, and you're you're feeding from other from other successful real estate uh, investors out there. I think it's cooler that he's willing to he was willing to talk to me when I was still, a, you know, nobody knew who I was. You know, was like, like we were talking networking. about earlier, the whole little referral network, A players hang out with A players, right? Power players hang out with power players. It's something like, um, just because you haven't performed specifically in the realm of real estate, you carry yourself in a manner that others know that, all right, if I invest my time and energy in you, it will be reciprocated in one way or another, right? And it's just about the personalities and the way that you carry yourself. Because like, hell, I think all of us, I mean, Dave, me and you, you know, shared an Airbnb at 10X, right? That was the first time we met. And then Dan, we met just passing by at the 10X, but we all kind of knew instinctually like, okay, these are going to be power players. These are people who are going to back up, you know, all the things that they're saying that they're going to do. And a year later, here we are, 
raw on the podcast, right? Real recognizes real. <laughs> <laughs> so that is. I just, that is I just remember recording a video with Dan, and then a week later having to tell him, "Hey, apparently my selfie stick doesn't allow audio recording if I plug it into the selfie stick. So can we do that again?" <laughs> yeah, we did. We did do a couple of videos out there. I forgot about that, man. Yeah, we we did a video. Uh, we were on the the balcony. Uh, like yeah. overlooking the stadium um had me screaming at the camera yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like I didn't, loud. I didn't have any audio I, I was just making it happen man i was out there yeah, like networking my ass off like um didn't have any speaker i just had a selfie stick and an iphone and i put it out there and i was you know uh grabbing people and starting to interview people and uh we were doing it in that like in the video that video go look up that video I i'll put it in the show notes actually uh me and dave i interviewed him um we were like on the edge of the balcony and the security guard was like, Hey, you guys got to leave. Like some mid interview, like we have, we had to keep getting up and uh, moving uh, spots and stuff. So it's pretty funny stuff. Yeah. Hey. It, was good times. it worked. Yeah. It worked. It worked. It was good. It worked. Yeah, man. So yeah, man, you've been, you've been in the military 11 years. What you got, what you got uh, nine more left. Nah. Plan? So uh plan is after this contract to go into the reserves. Uh, I was debating very heavily whether I wanted to finish, get out the last seven after this contract ends. And when I moved to this unit, I kind of saw the writing on the wall. Like no, no, some, wait of, a some of the leadership is okay. And some of the leadership is not so okay. It's kind of a, you know, it's, it's actually not as far as people go, it's not a bad unit, but mm -hmm. just the, the location, the time restraints, it's just a, Oh, wait a minute. You're about to be 13 years in. You said 13 years in by the time your contract's up, right? You're about to be 13 years in. You only got seven years left. So this is the thinking of every single soldier or military member that I ever talked to. Wait, you're 13 years in. You have seven years left before you can get a pension. Why? That doesn't make any sense. Like, what are you going to do with your off time or when you're, when you're out? Like, why would you do that? People, for some reason, people just can't. Uh, there's a lot of people that can't fathom that. So can you kind of uh, expound on that? Like, give us, give us, your thought process. Well, there's, it, it is a difficult decision for sure. And there's, you know, it may still change depending on life circumstances, but for one, if I do the reserves to finish out, my pension's only like $500 a month less. Now, granted, I won't get it till I'm 59 and whatever months, you know, but I'll still get it. I'll still get the TRICARE. So it's not super, super end of the world. I figure the like 2,500 that I'm going to make on my pension, uh, if I can't make that much up, working or, or hustling in seven years, then I probably don't have any business running this platform anyway. But I kind of realized, and, and this is one of the turning points for me is everyone who tells me, oh, it's just seven more years. Oh, it's just this. Oh, just get it out. Not everyone, but a vast majority of them, I would kind of compare what is their life right now. And then the people who are telling me to pull chocks, right? I, you know, I have some fairly high level individuals in my life that I've asked the question, you know, whether they were military or not, like, Hey, how did you know when it was time to walk? How, how did you know, um, including guys who have done the pension who did very well for themselves. And, and basically all of them have said like, nah, you're done. Like go reserves, go get out, do this, whatever. And I just look at, okay, which life do I want in 10 years? Who's telling me this information? And the reality, the sad reality is that too many veterans hit 20 and they're, yeah, oh, yeah, I get to retire. And then they realize, like, no, I don't because I squandered my money and I now have to take another job. So I figure, okay, well, if those are the people giving me the advice, like, nothing against them, but that's just not the way that I want to go with my life. So who do I want to listen to? The, the branded turners of the world who have made it in life and don't have to have a W-2 job or the, you know, guy who has a W-2 job and has no plan 
I, and I, I got the same slack. So for everybody who knows, I spent 11 years in on the money. I just got out about a month ago. Uh, but it was the same concept, man. Who, who, who are you listening to give you that advice? Uh, everybody says, you're over the hump. You're over the hump. But just like you said, if you can't produce $2,500 a month, $3,000 a month over the course of seven years, nine years, or 10 years, I don't want to listen to you for advice anyway, man. Because we know that we can get out there and strategically acquire real estate. We can start a podcast platform. We can go start, write a book. There's so many other things that we can do in that free time. We can spend time with our family, your family, man. Mm. I think you'd much rather spend more time with your family than be at that skiff for 18 hours a day, right? Yeah. So, I mean, all these things that people fail to realize, you do not get that time back. Those are 20 hard, hard years, deployments. Time yeah, my, and that's the other piece, right, is my body's falling apart. I've had four <laughs> surgeries. So I've had a... a some surgeries that probably shouldn't be talked about publicly, but then I've had, uh, I've had my, my knee replaced. I've got a hernia that is, uh, like a hernia they don't want to operate on. That gives me like, I wake up three nights a week puking up stomach acid because my esophagus doesn't close. I've got, you know, all kinds of, I got a hearing aid and I'm not even 30 yet. Like, so it's kind of like, okay, at some point, right. At some point I need to just live a life that is going to be comfortable, not comfortable. Right. I don't want to be comfortable, but you know what I mean? Like it's comfortable in not the business mindset way, but in the like, Hey, I get to see my kid and Hey, I get to jump on a, in my John Deere tractor with my father-in-law and go roll around screw with hay bales because I want to, not because my boss told me that's what I have to do. So. Yeah. That's phenomenal. <clears throat> that's why I control my time. That's it. I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah, man. That's, uh, I, 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 I've been having that conversation uh, lately as well, trying to figure out, hey, what what's, you know, my next move for the most part. I'm like, uh, I'm coming up on eight years. So I'm kind of having those those same questions, those same same feeling feelings. And it, it's crazy because um, what it, it's really, had it not been for real estate or really had it not been for just passive income in general, right? And understanding passive income, I think that um, I wouldn't be having these thoughts, right? Like the, these these questions like, well, man, I see, I see what passive income can provide. Um, I see what real estate can provide the type of lifestyle. Um, and, and really more importantly, the type of freedom, the type of autonomy over my life that, um, that this can provide. So you kind of start weighing those options. Like what, what, what really means more to me here? Um, does, does doing 20 years and then retiring for a pension, is, is that what it is? You know, is that, basically five, $6,000 a month. Is that, is that what it is? Or, you know, yeah, maybe for some of us, it won't yeah. be that much for me. Yeah. I mean, well, uh, yeah, I guess so. Maybe after disability, I might get some of that. Yeah. All right. Well, either way, that's something to really consider yeah. too, man. Cause like, I mean, the, the spit, the, the pay scale is, so drastically different between an officer and enlisted. I mean, you can do the same amount of time in service, but at that 20 year mark, you know, obviously depending on how well you perform and how well you progress, but yeah, that's vastly different too. So that's something else to consider. Which, right. which, which people would look at that in the wrong mindset is like, Oh man, I'm getting screwed. Cause I didn't go to OCS. My pension's going to suck, but I'm looking at it as my pension's a hell of a lot easier to replace than yours is. That's very, very true. That's actually really good. I never even thought about <clears throat> That's very, yeah. very, very true. 
So, yeah, so those are some of the, some of the things that, you know, that me and the wife talk about as well. So, you know, what, what are, what our next moves are. So I really, really, uh, I love, I love hearing other people's thoughts on that, uh, on that subject, especially other service members that are, that are investing in real estate or that just have other passive investments in general. So it's really cool that, uh, that, you know, that you have that thought and you, you're thinking that. So, um, all right. So if you had one piece of advice, if there was one thing that you could tell someone um, that that's just starting off in investing, uh, what would that one piece of advice be? Well, it's a threefold. It's learn, network, take action. That's the framework for everything you need to know. <clears throat> you learn everything you can, right? Get educated, get your finances straight, whatever. So cut your expenses and get your personal budget, get your foundation, and then just network with people who are doing it. And then through networking and whatever, take action. If you never, if you never pull the trigger, you're never going to amount to anything with it. Big time. That's excellent. That, that key word, what's the, what's the, the key thing in there? The, the number one thing in those, in, in that trifecta, get your freaking financial foundation straight. If you have a financial, like a foundation, then you can afford to take risks. If I take a $40,000 hit on this property, the worst case scenario with that is I lost 40 grand and I move on. But if I had taken a $40,000 hit on a property when I was 20 investing in stocks, I would never have touched real estate again. And I don't know what I would have done trying to pay it off for the next three years, four years, 10 years. So get your finances in order. I love that, man. There's people don't realize that everybody says, Oh, I need to save money. Um, you know, let me get another coupon so I can really squeeze out my the, every dollar, every penny. But ultimately the wealthy do not think in that manner. The wealthy think, how can I make more money? How can I hedge risks? But how can I take risks to ultimately increase my ROI? And if you're not constantly thinking that way and you're constantly in the you know, conservation mode, you will never scale. You will yeah, never. Yeah, and scale. if you're if you're a young service member listening to this, like at 22 years old, if you lose everything, re-enlist and you're good. Like you're done. You're totally <laughs> fine. Like your food is covered, your barracks is covered, your housing's covered, your taxes are covered, your medicals covered your dentals covered like you cannot fail in the grand scheme of things provided you don't go dui or murder someone whereas like when you get to be 45 you know you could probably still take the same risk but you've really got to worry about the downside whereas at that young age like don't don't get analysis paralysis don't be afraid to jump that's key man that's key that's phenomenal <clears throat> excellent information all right, so Dave, how can our listeners reach you? How can we find out more about you and From Military to Millionaire? First off, when's this going to air? Uh, it'll likely air, uh, what, two, three weeks maybe? Yeah. Three weeks. Okay, cool. Well, then okay. I'm going to go ahead and say this. Hey, May 29th and 30th in St. Louis, Veterans Live is going to be going down. We're going to have a venue for over 600 veterans. It's going to be all military speakers. It's going to be real estate investing, and it's going to be big. So be on the lookout for that. But as far as people who can get a hold of me from military to millionaire.com, I got a podcast, I got everything else. We got a mastermind group. Um, we're just here to help. So if you go to Google at this point and type in military millionaire, I will pop up eventually with uh, any platform. I'm on every social media as well as YouTube podcast, whatever. So happy to help you guys in any way I can. Excellent. Excellent. So just really touch bases again on that military live. Where's that going to be at? You said March when? May 29th May. and 30th okay. at the Hyatt right by the Arch in St. Louis. All right. And you're hosting this event, correct? 
So myself, Bill Allen of Seven Figure Flippers and Stuart Grazier of the Military Investor Network are going to be bringing a whole bunch of investors together to bring up. uh, It's going to be the biggest military real estate investor conference that has ever happened. Ever. Yeah. And it's going to just keep growing. Excellent. 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 That's awesome, man. That's awesome. All right. Um, With that, I mean, that's that's pretty much it right there. That's great information. Hey, thanks, Dave. Really appreciate you coming on. Um, for those of you who are listening on podcasts or, or watching on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button, hit the share, the like, you know, we're trying to, uh, to educate as much as possible, give out this free content. If you like what you're hearing, please um, share it with, share with others. We really appreciate that. Um, other than that, this is Dan Wynn and Mike Glassby signing off.